the Batman Universe podcast, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe podcast, episode number 31. I'm your host, Dustin, and as always, we have with us... This is Apple. This is Savannah. This is Nick. And for today's episode, we have Josh from the Comic Cast, who is going to be helping us with the feature. So welcome, Josh. Hey, how are you guys doing? So we got a bunch of different news to cover, and then our spotlight character is going to be Squire, since she's appearing in the Batman comics and is going to have a pretty big role, as we have been told in the upcoming battle for the call number three. And then our feature is going to cover... How realistic can Batman actually be? So, let's go into movie news, which there's no movie news, so we'll move right into TV news. Look at me. The very first thing is on April 16th, the episode that we kind of hinted at in the last episode about the Brave and the Bold is, in fact, going to happen. On May 1st, the next episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold is going to be airing, and the synopsis is, in this episode, Blue Beetle develops a crush on the slightly older and far more dangerous femme fatale huntress, but there is little time for love with Babyface busting his gang out of prison for a major heist. Watch the crowd closely during the jailbreak sequence to see some of your favorite villains, including Pharaoh Skeleton Keys, Pole Cat Perkins, and more. This week's teaser features Solomon Grundy and Black Canary. Oh, I love Solomon Grundy. And one thing that's interesting is the person who's actually going to be voicing Huntress is Tara Strong, which we know has oh. Batgirl in Batman the Animated Series. Sweet. Yeah. And yeah. Raven from Teen Titans, I believe. You look at Tara Strong, she's got like one of the biggest resumes in animation. The interesting thing about yeah. the Huntress, I saw she had the Earth 2 costume. So I'm wondering if it's going to be Helena Wayne or Helena Bertinelli, because... Batman the Brave and the Bold has done episodes with alternate worlds before, so maybe she'll be Batman's daughter from Earth 2 still. That would make the Blue Beetle thing slightly creepy for some reason. But (laughs) (laughs) I somehow doubt they're going to get into it too much, except maybe a name drop. Bertinelli, get over here or something like that. I don't know. There'll be a bit too much plot development for the Brave and the Bold, I think. to the next news on April 22nd. This is some news for our Canadian listeners. Teletoon announced that Batman Mask of Phantasm will be airing in May. Now, if you live up in Canada and you listen to the podcast, you can watch Batman Mask of Phantasm on Sunday, May 31st at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So, Teletoon is basically Canada's cartoon network, so check that out. Sweet. See it. Yeah, you can all throw your popcorn and sodas at me, but that was my favorite Batman movie. Oh, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm like with you as far as animated movies. That's like my favorite. It's really good. All right, so then moving on to April 23rd, Newsrama did an interview with Armin Sherman, who's voicing the calculator in the episode that we just discussed. And Armin actually previously was the voice of Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So here was uh, a little bit of the highlights from the interview. He said, I don't think I've ever played a hero per se, he says. I 
always been known for playing villains. Even in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Quark really wasn't a hero. I was more a villain who did heroic things because he was forced to. He was an anti-hero, perhaps your traditional Star Trek hero, that's for sure. He did things in spite of himself. The calculator is the ultimate couch potato. He's connected to the computer more ways than one. He wants to participate, but he doesn't have the skills, so I see him as a wonderful couch potato. They gave me a script that actually reminded me of when I was a teenager. I was sort of like that character, always sitting in my room, reading and imagining things. And this calculator is definitely not the calculator that we have been seeing in Birds of Prey, so hopefully you're not seeing that. If you head over to the website, there's a post for this news story that actually shows a picture of the calculator. Really is a couch potato who has some kind of weird shirt calculator computer type thing on, and then his uh, fat belly sticking out, hanging over his uh, legs. So he's the guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird take on calculator. Worst villain ever. That's a shame because they could do something interesting with the real calculator rather than this just what a shame but then that goes back into what you were saying that would involve way too much plot development for this show yeah (laughs) and I'm not too hot on calculator in the comics lately so I'm ready for a new take yeah maybe we shouldn't condemn it until we see it compared to the current comic you're right right. let's (laughs) wait and see All right, so moving on to the last bit of news. This is some news for UK listeners. As of May 5th, Batman the Brave and the Bold will actually be coming to Cartoon Network over in the UK. So make sure you check it out, and you can finally see what the hype is all about if you haven't seen the episodes online yet. I'm sure that Nick is excited that he can see it in his home country now, because I know that this is Nick's favorite show. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I've got it all recorded and set up. It's going to be brilliant. (laughs) Moving on to merchandise news, there's only a couple things to report. On April 20th, the new DC Direct items were announced. Only items that were really announced was two things. The Dark Knight, the Joker, Gotham City Police 1-6 scale figure by Hot Toys was announced to come out on December 9th. Now this is going to be a little more expensive than the previous Hot Toys, and it's going to be about $195. Then on December 16th, Part 3 of the Batman Family Multi-Statue will be coming out, which will consist of Batwoman and Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, there's already... (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Some people on the forums, and me, are not terribly excited about Batwoman being, (laughs) you know... Let's say people who deserve the spot more than Kathy Kane off the top of our head. Are you sure we have time for that? (laughs) Oracle, spoiler. Barbara Gordon. Well, you said Oracle, but yeah. Cassandra Kane. And, uh. Alfred? Is Alfred in the statue? No, I don't no. think so. Oh, come on. Kathy Kane over Alfred. Come on. Who's making this decision? I. Hey, hey, Savannah, you said earlier, wait and give her a chance. Let's see what she can do. Then we'll judge. She's had, she's had three years for a chance, though. This character has been around since 2006. <sighs> But I'll the see what the... is, they've never really explored her that much, and 
I'm thinking what they're hoping is that Detective Comics having her as the front runner in the series is going to kind of give her the props to be part of the Bat Family. They're forcing us to care. Mm-hmm. And also, speaking from a collector side, I don't know if you want to buy a statue that just has Commissioner Gordon and Alfred on the side, unless you're a diehard fan. So you probably want something more dramatic and you know action looking. So uh, what you know, that woman in a cape. <laughs> what about Gordon and Gordon? You know, that would work. That would be hey, awesome. I like it. I, I'm down for it, but I'm going to buy everything Batman. So. Gordon and Alfred used to have their own team up feature in Batman Family. They they go perfect together. They don't bring yeah, capes. But, you know, the, you know, maybe the the now guys that are directing it don't look that far back. <laughs> you don't have to look that far back, Alfred and Gordon. Or pick up a monthly Batman book. You're going to see Alfred and Gordon, not Kathy Kane, unless you're reading Detective a few months from now. I know, Josh, but we know that. But <laughs> you know, some of these newcomers coming in don't but know the that. The people that work at DC that make these decisions don't know it. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I guess we'll try to give her a chance, but we'll do our best. The, uh, Barbara Gordon and Commissioner Gordon would have been good because a lot of people yes. wanted that just by itself. I would. Yeah, so <laughs> that might have been a better option, but you know, then again, maybe they couldn't put her in the picture because by December she'll be walking and they couldn't ruin anything. Mm. That's a horrible reason. I know it's a horrible reason, but it's a reason nonetheless. Yeah, you, hey, you know what's other horrible reason? I gotta buy all these statues just to make Batman. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. I'll tell you how it comes out. <laughs> Alright, so moving on to the next bit of merchandise news. On April 25th, Hot Wheels sent us over an email saying that they have an exclusive for Hot Wheels Collector Club members. Um, the Hot Wheels 1966 TV series Batmobile was modeled using digital scans of the original and features opening doors. You can order it exclusively on their website. Now, you have to become a member, but you don't have to do anything but go over there, sign up to be a member, and then they just send you newsletters. Now, this is a 118th scale Batmobile, and I'm sure this will be a fine addition to your collection. Yes, and every Batmobile fan, if you're a Batmobile fan and you're not part of the Collector's Club, you have to join. And the reason why is because they give you exclusives like this. And there, there was, a, I, I believe it was like last year sometime, you could have had like three forms of the Batmobile. They were highly detailed. It, it, was, it was very nice. They even had the, the one eight scale. So if you can, please, please, guys, try to join up and get these exclusives. Because, I mean, the 66 is one stop, but we'll just wait till the, the rest of the Batmobiles come out, like the 89s and the ones in the movie. Yeah, oh, I love personally. That. I love you. Yeah, I think it's my favorite. I mean, even among... 89 is pretty close, but 66 was just classic. Mm-hmm. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Okay, guys, and that's going to lead us into video game news. And in video game news, boy, have we been treated. Wednesday, April 15th, was the release of the Batman Arkham Asylum, Bane. And within this trailer, we'll go ahead and play a small clip. Sorry, 
Okay, so fans were really excited to see what Bane looks like. And, man, he looks like Hulkish. I love that. Bane, he definitely is a different interpretation than we've seen in past interpretations of him. But it, it looks cool. I mean, the one thing is, with all those hoses that are flying all over the place with him, it just seems like Batman could easily throw a batarang and stop the venom from yeah. being pumped. <laughs> but that's well, awesome, does... so we can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like... In Batman and Robin, when he's just defeated like a wimp because I think they accidentally kick his pump out and that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The mighty Bane! I will destroy you. Oh, but don't touch these tubes because. Don't know, touch the hoses. <laughs> but I will break you! <laughs> Well, two days later, on Friday, April 17th, we were treated to a new trailer also of Harley Quinn. And here's the trailer. Can you hear me? Is this thing on? Oh, hiya, B-Man. Harley Quinn here. How do you like my new uniform? You have one chance to surrender, Quinn. Tempting bats, but no dice. Now the inmates are running the asylum. Bye-bye for now. Okay, and that was the trailer for Harley Quinn. And of course, guys, you can go ahead and view both of these trailers on the BatmanUniverse.net. What did you think about the Harley Quinn? Awesome. Very exciting. I really, I I like the idea of uh, having the, you know, Arlene Sorkin as the original Harley Quinn being the voice. Because honestly, really, there's no other person who could play her. There's been other interpretations of Joker. There hasn't really been any of Harley, so it's kind there of cool. Prey Harley, but uh, well, that one really doesn't count because she really was never Harley. <laughs> but what's interesting is though, seeing her in the new outfit that she's in, kind of is uh, a little odd because it's the same voice that you saw, and I don't know. It's just my opinion. She seems a little bit more slutty, I guess, but not in a not in a you know in a slutty way it's just she's a little more she's fashioned more towards you know the teenage young male gamer type people to really make they've sexualized her more yes yeah but would I be right in thinking she's the only female character in the game oracle's in the game well we had well We don't know for sure that Oracle's in the game because the person who was voicing Oracle said that they were never involved in the project. That's the first thing. And as far as the IMDb, just to clear up some rumors on that, whatever people are reading on IMDb, do not believe it. There is a lot of people... It's user-generated news. Exactly. The stuff is not correct. We here at the BatmanUniverse.net emailed majority of the voice actors because we're trying to get interviews with all of them to put up for you guys to listen and a lot of them responded back to us saying sorry we were never involved in that project not sure why our names are listed on the imdb but we were never involved and those people would include poison ivy and penguin so there's no just because we see on imdb that poison ivy and penguin are characters doesn't necessarily mean that they are in fact going to be in the game but right. uh, going back to that point I think they've made her a lot sexier because I think she might be the only girl in the game and as you say they're trying to appeal to the young male audience yeah. mm-hmm. between yeah. Kevin Conroy Mark Hamill Arlene Sorkin 
it's like we're getting a sequel to Batman the Animated Series in video game form. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. and that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, okay. when it was just Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, I was like, yeah, this is good, but we're adding Harley to the mix as Arlene Sorkin, you know. They're bringing in all these elements. They just need the Danny Elfman theme, and, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, it's really exciting. It would be cool yeah. to play as Harley, but, yeah, I like the... I kind of like the harder edge they're giving her, even though right. it is a little bit more uh, sexy, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of odd, and it is jarring seeing it for the first time, but I think I could get used to the newer look because it fits in that world. And even though it is a little different, it's still nowhere near as uh, slutty as the Joker graphic novel last year. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Which is awesome. Go out and pick it up. <laughs> but not if you, not if you're a Harley Quinn like absolutist, because yes. it will make you angry. For a woman, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, for uh, for for Harley Quinn absolutist on Monday, April twentieth, they released the new pics of these characters, which was they released the specs on Bane and Harley Quinn. And what was interesting, if you notice that normal Bane and Harley Quinn are actually the same size, 140 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I thought that was cute. <laughs> you can go ahead and view those pictures also on the BatmanUniverse.net, guys. What we have also is there was a special interview where Paul Dini talked on Tuesday, April 21st. He was talking to GameSpot.com, and they asked him a few questions. They had asked him about the, the video game, how it was going to take pass. So we have the link on the BatmanUniverse.net, so you can go ahead and read what Dini had to say about, about the upcoming story in Batman Arkham Asylum. Now, the biggest news, I mean, it, it pretty much, you know, Dustin was cloud, flying on cloud nine, and sprinkles were flying everywhere across ice creams, and it was just so happy. But if you logged in to your PlayStation 3 and logged into home, if you looked at one of the billboards within there, you were able to see a billboard that said Joker is going to be a playable character exclusively for PS3. And of course, the forums just blew up and everybody's <laughs> like, whoa, the Joker, PS3, I got a PS3, I win. You know, <laughs> so basically that's how you felt. And uh, of course, everyone went onto the forums, and you know, 360, <laughs> 360 fans were like, "No, why?" And of course, you know, Edios and uh, and their forums, you know, try to calm down the storm and said, "Hey, listen, there's more news coming out. Calm down. This is just one bit of news." Like me and Dustin were discussing. I mean, how much better can that news get? I mean, it's Joker. Come on, and he's gonna be on PS3. Come on, he's a, it's gonna be okay, guys. It's not gonna be. It, he's not gonna be playable through the whole video game. It is gonna be exclusive maps. Okay, and some may be saying yes, yes, Apple, but we're gonna have exclusive maps when you pre-order at GameStop. Yes, you are. You are. They already had announced that an exclusive map was gonna be Crime Alley. Okay, and that's speculations as to who's that's gonna be. Guys, there's more news. Like they said, more news is coming out. But for right now, the only one that is announced is Joker for PS3. So pick up PS3 so you can play it. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, knew you, I knew you were going to try to cut me off. So I knew, I knew once, this, uh, once I got the, the press release from Edios 
and I posted this, I knew there was, this was just like the best news in the world for PS3 owners. All I have to say is to all those wonderful people out there who have persecuted us PS3 owners, um, in your face! <laughs> and I know Chris is listening to this podcast. Chris, one of our old co-hosts, who I constantly had arguments, constantly about what's better, 360 or PS3. And this is proof that if you are a Batman fan, it pays to be a PS3 owner. And all I have to say is, Chris, in your face! <laughs> I know. I, I, hopefully, when I text Chris that information, I, hopefully he didn't drive off the highway. <laughs> we never hear from him again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, what was also great news that was happening this week, Friday, April 24th, was the release of Batman Arkham Asylum, the official site, went live. And within this site, of course, guys, they have their topics for news about the video game. They have their forums. They have media. They have downloads. And they also have blogs. If you can, go ahead and log into the Batman Arkham Asylum. If you can't find it, go into the BatmanUniverse.net. We have a link there. So you can go ahead and view the official website. Go on there. You can go ahead and view the latest news. And they also have a podcast on there for the developers talking about the video game. So more insight into the video game. That's going to go ahead and be provided by them right there. And also on Friday, April 24th, Batman Arkham Asylum had downloadable content. Now what was released, and Nick, I hope you're listening very carefully, Play.com now has an exclusive for UK gamers who are wanting to pre-order Batman Arkham Asylum. If you order your copy of Batman Arkham Asylum through Play.com, you will receive a token to unlock the in-game armored Batsuit. You will be able to use all these on all the challenge maps. So if you live in the UK, this might be your opportunity to get an exclusive that the states might not have right away. Boo. Already done, Apple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's all we have for video game news, guys. Go with the smile. So moving on to general news, there's only one thing to report. On April 17th, it was announced that the Why So Serious Vital Marketing campaign has actually been nominated for two different Webby Awards. The first one was for interactive advertising, and the second one was for integrated and viral marketing. So head over to webbyawards.com, register, and vote for them to win because these are ones that are voted by the people. So you can make sure, we have a link on the website, just go under general news and you'll see the the post for the story and click on it and then head over there to vote for it so that Why So Serious wins so that hopefully this is a clue that we want to see stuff like this for future Batman movies. Mm-hmm. What is it running against? Because I can't even think of a web marketing campaign that's come close to Why So Serious. Yeah, I'm sure they yeah. probably have the award in the bag, but... The ones I I can't remember off the top of my head what some of the other ones were, but they weren't anything that was nearly as good, even from a non-Batman perspective, was nearly as good or as detailed as they were. But you don't want to assume that they've got it in the bag and then have nobody vote for it. Exactly. Why so serious? All right, so that's going to move us into our spotlight character, which, as we said, is going to be Squire. Now, Squire has actually been three different people over time, so let's talk about Squire. Percy Seldrake became the Earl of Wardenshire in England at the tender age of 20. His father, the previous Earl, had been captured during the Dunkirk evacuation during World War II. 
His mother died during a bombing raid over London. Percy made the acquaintance of Sir Justin, the time-tossed shining knight who, along with the All-Star Squadron, was fighting the Axis menace. Sir Justin accepted Percy as his aide and trained him in the ways of fighting. Serving as a squire, Percy wound up a member of the team branch of the squadron, the Young All-Stars. After the war, he left his Sir Justin and struck out on his own, creating the new identity of the knight. He fought crime in England and around Europe, becoming a charter member of the Global Guardians, which operated between the two great ages of heroes. Eventually, he married and had a son, Cyril, who became the second squire. Percy and Cyril Sheldrake were joined by Batman and Robin on one case when the dynamic duo came to the United Kingdom to stop a band of neo-Nazi supporters. Later, they were invited to the United States as Batman hosted his international doppelgangers known to the press as Batman of all nations. Sometime later, John Mayhew turned them into the Club of Heroes, although the operation fell apart after just two meetings. Eventually, Percy retired and Cyril became the next knight, although he operated solo for quite some time. When Percy died, Cyril became the next Earl of Wardenshire, not an actual real county, he spent all the family fortune and became a drunk, living in the streets until he was taken in by Beryl Hutchison and her mother. After he straightened out his life, Cyril asked Beryl to become the next squire. Beryl was gifted in forms of communication, from visual cues to foreign tongues and even mass communications. She was also exceptional with a sword. She thrilled to the life of a costumed adventurer, working as a duo with the knight and for a brief time with the Ultra Marines. Batman worked with Beryl on one Justice League of America case and was quite impressed by her. Beryl finally met Robin when the Club of Heroes was reunited under mysterious circumstances. And as we know, the current squire, Beryl Hutchinson, has actually been featured in Batman Battle for the Cowl as part of the network along with Knight. So that is Squire. She hasn't had any media appearances, but if you check out Battle for the Cowl number three, she is going to be featured, as we've seen in some preview art, she's going to be featured in that issue, as well as she's been in Battle for the Cowl number one as well. That galley out! Alright, so that'll move us into our feature, which we're going to throw over to Josh, and he's going to tell us what we're going to talk about. When people talk about the appeal of Batman, it's that he wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider. He's not an alien from another planet. He's just a normal person, like we are. Well, normal except he's rich, he's got gadgets, but his world is more down-to-earth. And a lot of division that I've seen among Batman fans is just how down-to-earth should Batman be. There's some people who don't like elements in Batman that aren't in the strictly realistic sense. They don't like stuff like Clayface. They say that that doesn't work in Batman's world. There are some people, and even some DC editors, who I'm not going to name names, who don't even want Batman in the JLA because they don't like putting Batman with super-powered people. So, to start off, what are your thoughts on this? Where, the, where is the line with how outworldly should Batman be? What works with Batman? If we go back to when Batman was originally created, he was realistic. He didn't have anything to do with the other superheroes within the DC universe. The pro the thing is, over time, you know, during the silly part of the 50s and the 60s, where Batman was teaming up with Superman and having 
missions and adventures that were really pointless, it kind of made it seem like, okay, these two can be in the same universe. And then as time has progressed over even a longer period of time, to the 80s and the 90s, we get, you know, Batman teaming up with the Outsiders, Batman teaming up with the JLA, and the thing is, the JLA was originally supposed to be the big names of the DC Comics, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and then the various other ones over time as well, but the point was they wanted to have all their big characters in one book, and that's what worked. The thing is, because of that, Batman has been accepted in many times over again that he can be in a world with these other superpower beings. A lot of the creatures, or not creatures, but a lot of the villains that a lot of people complain about that are in the comics that, you know, aren't realistic, a lot of them were actually created during the time of the silly part of Batman's career. So, as far as, you know, can it work? It can work because as realistic as Batman is, Batman is still in a universe that consists of all these other characters. Now, for the people out there who want to complain about Batman not being able to be around people with superpowers, then he's in the wrong, he's in the wrong universe. He's, he shouldn't be in the DC universe. Going back to your take on the, the silly part of Batman's career, a lot of people have to see that back then they weren't developing Gotham City. They were trying to relate Batman to our world. And, of course, what was famous was these aliens. What if aliens came from outer space, going into outer space and dealing with superheroes? Now, what we're dealing with is comic books. And comic books, guys, the majority are superheroes. The fact that we have someone like Batman who, in a sense, his superpower is his mind, it's, it's, it's a really change of pace that people would became fans of does Batman have the ability to interact with these people? Yes, he does. Because Batman makes us feel like he's us in a way where we can relate to someone that has superpowers. Like, we're Batman. I don't, I don't think that where people's takes on, oh, well, Batman shouldn't be out in the universe, he shouldn't be out in space. Well, that's what's out there. And, I mean, even though they don't want to see it relatively in their head, that's what goes on into the comic book world. And what it is, it's like, if you want to get into the real, realistic sense, I mean, okay, you, you're going to compare it. If you're going to compare it to something like Christopher Nolan, come on, guys. Christopher Nolan's films are hyper-realistic. They're not realistic, okay? But the fact that you can go ahead and dream to do that, that we're almost able to touch that in a way, that's what makes it hyper. Now, Batman having interaction with Superman, Green Lantern, yes, he should. Those are the main characters of the DC Universe. Those are the guys that stapled and platformed this company into a solid foundation. Now, can Batman stand toe-to-toe with them? Yes. Even though he doesn't have superpowers? Yes. The reason why is because he's more smarter than any of them. Okay? So, I, I, where, where's Batman standing realistic? It's a comic book. He's from Gotham City. He can be any plain Joe Schmo like us if we had developed our mind and our body, if we do that. But the simple fact is there are superheroes in comic books, okay? So you do have to do with them. And I mean, the main one, we got the main superhero, which is Superman, okay? So, I mean, Batman and Superman, I mean, those have made some wonderful stories through the years. So Batman belong in that world? Yes, he does, because he's a comic book character. Yeah, the whole thing about comic books is that it's 
it should be escapism. And you can have escapism with realistic with realistic stories, but you don't have to go out of your way to make it like, oh, this could happen tomorrow. I mean, a Superman, everybody loves Superman because it kind of could happen. It's not ridiculous. I mean, maybe there is a civilization out there that's going to send an alien pod. We have no idea. Then Batman took that a step further, which is, this really could happen tomorrow. <laughs> and that's kind of the intrigue. Every every superhero has its own, has their own intrigue and different way to connect to the readers. And there's a lot of different things that Batman connects with. So in a way, he should be realistic, but in another sense, he really doesn't have to because he's such a strong character. He holds his own in the groups. He holds his own in the JLA. I mean, you've, we've seen him fight Superman. We've seen him fight Spider-Man, I believe, and, you know, different stuff like that. And, and Hulk. <laughs> yeah, and Darkseid, and everybody. And he's done pretty well up till recently. So I have no problem with the weirdness. Like, his weird villains like Clayface, I don't see why people have a problem with that, because they explain them. Like, Clayface is a chemical goop. I'm... I'm fine with that as far as I know it's not really possible, but you can reasonably suspend your disbelief with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some times when it goes too far, like Golden Age stories, but it it's just a fine line to me to keep it in the world where you can relate to it, but to keep it as, to keep it fun, to keep it escapism, you know? Right. The reason I love Batman the most is because, well, the version I love the most is a detective in a cape. I like the simple, simplistic nature of that. That's the Batman I personally think really works for me. Superman, Wonder Woman, they don't quite do it for me because I like to have a bit of realism, as we mentioned before, in it. But, as we said, fitting into a slightly crazier world, that's fine. Having crazy villains, that's fine. But there's certainly limits with the Batman world, and there's some characters... Let's say there's some villains who are in other superhero stories that I don't think would work with Batman. So you've got to get the mix right. But for me, I like the realistic nature. I like having Batman as something that is actually achievable as a human being. See, the thing is, and the reason why Christopher Nolan can make his universe as realistic as it is, it's a movie that comes out every few years that's a few hours long. If the Christopher Nolan universe was something that was being revisited month after month, week after week, you can only tell the same kind of stories enough times when you want to add some variety into it. A space sorcerer or, you know, a mystic or something. And if you look at Batman's universe, there's some stuff there that doesn't drive. If you look at the characters, we have Bruce Wayne, Barbara Gordon, Tim Drake. Then when you get to Jason Todd, oh, well, he died and he came back to life because an alien from another dimension punched a wall and then he went into the Lazarus pit. One of these things doesn't belong, but if every Jason Todd story doesn't address the whole, oh, Superboy Prime brought me back to life by punching a wall, then it works. You don't have to address the outwardly elements all the time, but they're there. And one of the complaints when No Man's Land came out was, well, why doesn't Batman just call Superman and the Flash to fix up Gotham City? 
a lot of people were asking about that, and they actually tried to address that. I don't remember what the explanation was, but they did an issue of No Man's Land where Superman came in, and for the life of me, I can't remember what the explanation was, but he, they, re, Superman realized that there was nothing more he could do. So you could have Batman in his little world of Gotham. You could have Superman visit once in a while. I would have wanted Superman appearing in every issue of Batman. And you could have Batman go to the Justice League. For a while, Dick Grayson was over in the Teen Titans fighting demonic people like Trigon the Terrible, you know, taking down secret organizations, going into space. And then over in his own series with Chuck Dixon, he was fighting gangsters. And fans were complaining, oh, well, if he fought Trigon the Terrible, how could he be having problem with gangsters? Well, that's the thing. You have to suspend this belief. And Apple said the best. These are only comic books. And Dick Grayson also almost married an alien princess. Batman almost had an alien princess for his daughter-in-law. I don't think I'd ever want that to really happen because then you're having a little too much supernatural stuff into Batman's world when you actually have aliens at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, but it's that's... it's there. Yeah. But Starfire's so nice. I like Starfire, <laughs> and I like her with Nightwing, but the thing is, you know, you're not going to have Batman's daughter-in-law be an alien from outer space, but she almost was, and I use the Green Arrow argument because Green Arrow was dead. He was dead as a doornail. He blew up in an explosion on an airplane. There was a body. There was a corpse, and he had a magical resurrection. If you ask people who the more realistic DC heroes are, usually Green Arrow's on that list, and it's because they're not going to spend every issue of Green Lantern saying, oh, well, I was magically brought back to life after my body was disintegrated, and when Batman comes back, no matter how he comes back, He'll be fine, because they're not going to spend every issue going over the events of R.I.P. and Final Crisis. You can have the realistic stuff, but when you're dealing with a monthly adventure, and it's sometimes weekly with all the titles, you're going to deviate once in a while. Yeah. It's unavoidable. Yeah, it's, it's definitely unavoidable. The, the, the people out there who are convinced that Batman has to be realistic, I think that it's one of two things. Either they're stuck in the 1940s Batman where he did nothing but fight gangsters and the occasional villain here or there. But you also have to keep in mind that if you are stuck in that time frame or if you're stuck in a part where Batman can only be a realistic person, what would be the point of the villains that he has? In the realistic world, is there someone who is like the Joker? No. Is there someone who's like the Riddler? No. Yes, these are interpretations of people who could be. You know, the Joker's a sociopath who, you know, kills people just for the fun of it. There are people like that, but they don't dress up like clowns. You know, there's people like the Riddler who, you know, are Like the Zodiac Killer. Exactly, who are convinced that they're smarter than other people and will, you know, try to test the authorities to see if they're smart, as smart as them. There's, there's all kinds of ways that this could be interpreted, but the difference is the Riddler wears a green suit, whether it be the spandex with the question marks, whether it be a green suit in general with a purple tie. He wears a green suit. Who wears green suits? Nobody. Half these characters that people are like, well, you just have to use these realistic villains, and that's what'll make sense. But if you think about it, they're not realistic. The, the closest interpretation of being realistic was the Joker graphic novel last year, where it somewhat gave a realistic 
possibility for some of the villains that are normally considered normal villains to begin with. But it's just a lot of people don't realize, you know, saying, okay, Scarecrow. Scarecrow, yes, is a possibility. Is there a fear toxin out there? There might be. Have we heard about it? No. But it's a possibility. But what convinces him to put on a mask over his face to really look like a scarecrow? That's not realistic. People don't do that. And if they do, they sure aren't getting away with crimes and not avoiding the police all the time because they're insane. And if they're insane, they're going to get caught. Yeah, you know, in, in in our world, if you have someone like the Joker, if you have someone like the Riddler come along, we're not going to send them to an Arkham Asylum. We're going to go ahead and put them on 10-year death row and 10 years bye-bye. You're gone, you know? <laughs> You're not going to have the problem that Gotham City has. But then again, that's not fun. That's not fun to imagine, to, to lose yourself in. So... You know, I, 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 I always refer back to what Todd McFarlane said at a comic book convention. He says he grabbed a little kid and he grabbed a little kid and he says he asked a little kid. Now, when Elmer Fudd shoots Bugs Bunny, is that real? And the kid goes, no. He goes, but it's fun, right? And he goes, yes. He goes, you all know what it is. You know that it's fake because in real life it's different. And I like, I like referring back to that point that he had made. You know, kids know what's real and what's not give them more credit and so when we're growing up in comics we know what's real and what isn't but the fact that some people always try to say well that's not real that's not going to always really happen well in some ways it could be that you know maybe they haven't fully grown up grown up yet you know but i mean guys you got you got to know the the sense where realism starts and where hyper realism begins right it's not it wouldn't be any fun if comic books were realistic. I mean, like you said, most of the villains would be gone. <laughs> and it would just be depressing. I mean, if anybody read the Joker graphic novel, it was kind of depressing. <laughs> and that was just a one-time non-canonical exploration. I can't imagine if that were the weekly thing, I wouldn't read Batman. <laughs> that would just be <laughs> horrible. I would read I mean, it. We know. You, we know. You couldn't do it as a weekly, though, because you couldn't. Again, you would kill yourself. Because, well, also because you could only do like realistic, realistic, down to earth for so many times before someone's going to bring in an alien, someone's going to bring in a ghost, somebody's going to bring in something supernatural. It's right. Which is why I keep on hearing fans say, "Wouldn't it be great if they?" If they did a new comic series and set it in the realistic Nolan universe, well, yeah, but if it was a week after week, eventually it would be diluted. It wouldn't work. When you have stuff like the Joker graphic novel or the movies that come out every few years, you can do that. The comics, not so much. There has to be exploration of different ideas. And the whole thing about the villains that don't quite fit into the universe even though I have no problem with them, and I don't think any of you do either, is that they're exaggerations of ideas. They're not based on people. They're based on concepts. The Riddler is based on the idea of such a methodical killer that, you know, he can't stop leaving riddles. The Joker is based on pure, undiluted insanity. And the Scarecrow is based on the pure idea of fear. And... They have to stretch what could happen to make it 
interesting, to make them into a story, into a good, well-rounded character, which I'm fine with because it's all about the story. It's all about being interesting. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, that could never happen. You just, you have to suspend your disbelief at whatever you're doing, especially comic books, because it is weekly. You run out of things to do. You have to explore new things. We don't want them to just keep going over and over the same, you know, gangster and whatever else they have in the realistic universe. Yeah, and I think I've got quite a good example. Over here we've got some TV shows which are shown three or four times a week. We call them soaps. I don't know what the equivalent is in America, drama or something like that. And what we have is these shows have been going on for like 40, 50 years and it's about, you know, some families who live in a certain area of London or something like that. And people don't want the same thing over and over again. They don't want realism. So they have to create these new stories for this show, which goes on for years and years. So you get new, exciting things happen. It's the same with comics books. You don't want the same thing. It's got to be quite fantastic. It's a comic book. So you can't just repeat old stories. You've got to come up with new stuff. And as we said earlier, if you kept strictly realistic, you'd run out of ideas in a couple of years. And you would uh, have to resort to something crazy, like going into outer space or something stupid like that. So you've got to be, you've got to aim to be fantastic in a comic book. Right. And yeah. I, I think that it's one of the, the the pretty interesting points you have to make is if we had a comic book that was realistic, how interesting would that really be? Going back to what Savannah said about the comic books are a form of escapism. If you had a book that was realistic, talking about events that were happening every day that we see, we hear about, how interesting is that? It's not. That's why we read comics, because they are something that we do not experience day to day. I could read the newspaper, what would be, and it's cheaper than a comic book. What would be the difference than buying a realistic comic book that has nothing that is you know, that doesn't happen every day. Are there any successful realistic comic books? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Oh, Obama? I, there, I think the guy from Cleveland, the one that's been writing about his life, what is it, My Splendor Life or something like that? I mean, that's that's the that's the only known comic book I know that some, someone writes about their real life. Well, there's you know, things like Persepolis and things like that, but those are, like, graphic novels and those are yeah. those end they tell an interesting and it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because even the realistic comic books that are based on things that actually happened like Persepolis and I think Mouse was based on a true story but obviously it's told through mice even they are ex- explorations or retellings of extraordinary things that happened they're yeah. you know they did happen and they're realistic but they're so unusual that you almost think this couldn't have happened, and that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. Like uh, when when they make a film that's based on a true story, right? Yeah, very li- very little of that is actually you know what really happened. Usually, <laughs> I think it was I think it was American Splendor, isn't it? That's the name of the comic book or something yeah. like that. Yeah, American Splendor. Uh, one time on the forums, I think Dustin had told someone what it was. I was going to respond, but Dustin already had responded, and it was just plain and simple. It was like there are only so many stories you can tell of Batman stopping the Joker or stopping someone from robbing a bank. There's only so many stories you could tell in that, and you have to move on. And even though we give editors that much, you know, grief about why did y'all do this? Why did you do that? 
you also, you know, take a step back and you always, I think me and Dustin have had this discussion before where, you know, it's got to be hard to always come up with stories, you know, through the years that haven't been told before while trying to tell a new one. You know? So they have to do they have to do something exciting like Batman R.I.P., which you know draws people in because it's a new story, and something exciting is going to happen. Yeah, mm. but uh, the thing is, you know, with movies, let's take a you know a successful series, the Bond movies. You take the Bond movies. <laughs> each story, you know, the same basic things happen, but different villains, different plots, different you know different villain plots, I should say happen to make the story interesting but every single time one comes out people want to see it because it's interesting you but that's a movie and there's only been what 22 of them i think that's Mm -hmm. the number yeah 22 of them so you know and they're spread out over 40 years you're talking about a character who's been around for 70 years this year and how many stories can you really tell without you know tweaking a previous story or something. A lot of people are talking about Battle for the Cow being a retelling of Prodigal that happened in the 90s. Well, it's basically a retelling of a situation that's similar. It's not the same story. It's a similar situation where Batman's not around and someone has to take his place. People complain about, well, it's the same thing. They're doing the same thing. You know, I'd like to see them come up with, you know, 70 years worth of stories and not use the same thing over again. Yeah, it's the same thing I say about movie remakes. You can do it if you're going to make it different and you're going to make it better. I'm fine with a remake. Exactly. The people who are complaining about this being a retake of Prodigal, okay, well, Batman fights the Joker. You can say, well, that's a retake of something that's been done 300 times. (laughs) And Bottom line is, in the real world, and a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but in the real world, Batman either would have, A, been shot in the head by somebody at one point who got lucky, would have just aimed for the chin, or B, you would have had the CIA or the IRS come into Bruce Wayne's house saying, we understand that um, you got a huge power bill, you know, what huge power source do you have in this mansion? (laughs) And we understand, you know, there's a lot of weapons missing from Wayne Enterprises, or some forensic scientist or CNN, somebody would have figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman years ago. Somebody would have shot him. Bottom Anderson line, it's, Cooper or something. <laughs> I mean, Batman is not realistic. Even when you take it down to the core, even when you look at stuff like the Dark Knight or Batman, it, you know, nothing's going to be exactly realistic, exactly the real world. I think that's all we need to talk about as far as this. Make sure you go onto the forums. We'll start up a thread once the episode's posted up about you know your opinions, giving your opinions about how realistic Batman should be. Because we know that there's a lot of people out there who have the opposite ideas that we do. Because that's actually how we came up with this idea for the feature is you know, so many people talking about the realistic aspect of Batman. So there's plenty of opinions about this. So we want to make sure that we can discuss this further on the forums. So if you're not a member of the forums, become a member just so you can discuss this. And you never have to worry about ever coming back to the forums because this is a topic that has been discussed numerous times since the Nolan movies have been created that we really think deserves some discussion more so than you know the 20 minutes we've discussed here on the podcast. So head over to the forums. This one for you. As far as everything else, I want to remind everyone to go out into iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. And if you listen to the specials or the 
Comic Podcast, please leave a review and a rating. If you have left a review in the past but have not rated it, please go on because Apple and iTunes is doing a different thing where they're using ratings now to score the podcasts. So please go on there and rate us and leave us a review as well as you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can go on to the forums, leave comments about this episode and any other episodes. As well as, there's a ton of other different things that you can go do. We have a MySpace page, a Facebook page. We also have a blog. Now, if the blog, we do all kinds of different things. We do bat scans of different bat comics. We put out one every single day. You can actually check out the blog. It's linked directly to our website, thebatmanuniverse.net. If you have not been on the new site, the new site is live. We have all kinds of new things up on the site that you can check out. There's all kinds of different things that you can find on the website that you're not going to be able to find on any other websites. The section that we have, we spent the most time on is the video game section. So if you're a video game fan and you're looking forward to Batman Arkham Asylum and you want to check out some of the past video game history of all the other Batman video games, you can go onto the website, click the history section under video games, and there's an extensive history for all the previous Batman video games. And that's pretty much it. We're looking for people to help out with some other things for the site, as well as do some comic book reviews. So if anybody's out there who want to be interested but doesn't necessarily want to be a member of the forums, email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net, and we'll work together to try to figure something out. I just want to make a quick announcement that in the next couple weeks we'll be releasing a multi-part episode on the Batman Universe specials where we talk in-depth about the 60s TV series, as well as a bunch of things related to the 60s TV series. So make sure you're looking for that on the Batman Universe specials. If you're not, subscribe to that one. Subscribe to that. We've been doing all kinds of interviews with all kinds of comic creators. We have some more interviews that we're lining up as we speak. So that is pretty much everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. This is Savannah. This is Nick. This is Josh. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Thanks, everybody. Have a happy. As Batman hosted his international doppel doppel the Cyril 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 yeah he event eventually he married and had a son Cyril who became C- the second Cyril 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 okay now um are we gonna play the clip for Bane. Because it's a Did he say anything? Well, he says, help me. Oh, it's going to sound kind of gross, but we could play it. Yeah, I know we'll play something for the Harley Quinn one. Because it's cute. You need to have <laughs> Dustin's impression of Bane in the tag. The help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, real, real quick before you continue. Hey, Josh, I hear you typing away. 
No, that's what? my dogs having a fight over my cords. Oh, okay. I'll lock them out of my room. <laughs> not me. Oh, <laughs> I, I it's not you. And I'm not talking because I'm sneezing every other second. I do have a lot more tags when you're on the podcast. I don't know if it's because Nick and I are more professional or less entertaining. <laughs> more Possibly professional, both. <laughs> yes.